Welcome to UBS On Air. Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. On the podcast today, we are featuring for you a conversation with the UBS Family Advisory and Philanthropy Services Team, and the conversation will focus on the topic of venture philanthropy. Let me just take a moment to introduce to you our guest joining us on the podcast today. Pleased to be with Nicole Sebastian. Nicole is a senior strategist with the Family Advisory and Philanthropy Services Team. Now, the mission of this group is to serve as a thought partner to exceptional families. We at UBS understand that your family's needs extend beyond purely financial. So we take a strategic and sustainable approach to managing your wealth for continuity. Now, the team works with UBS financial advisors and their clients to clarify and articulate your shared values and goals bridge the gap between generation to perpetuate your family's legacy, develop a well-thought-out plan to support your family goals and philanthropic aspirations. Just some further background on Nicole. Nicole has been with UBS since 2014 and first joined to establish and launch the UBS Optimist Foundation presence here in the U.S. Together with financial advisors, Nicole is helping UBS's most philanthropic clients in the Americas from Alaska to Argentina. Speaking several languages and having an international background helps Nicole daily in her conversations with our clients. Nicole has over two decades of experience in the nonprofit, philanthropic, and corporate sectors and brings a wealth of knowledge in nonprofit management, corporate and nonprofit governance, fundraising, performance assessment, leadership advisory services, and policy research. Nicole also serves as an adjunct professor at the NYU Stern School of Business, now for seven years, teaching a course on nonprofit governance. Nicole is part of the UBS Global Philanthropy Services team, which consists of over 50 team members who are based across the world and works directly with UBS's most valued clients, helping them, in short, to achieve their philanthropic aspirations. So, Nicole, it's great to be with you on the podcast today. Thank you for joining us and looking forward to our conversation. Thanks, Dan. It's really great to be here with you today. Absolutely. So, Nicole, I know there's quite a few items we want to hit on during our time together today, but perhaps we can simply begin by asking about this outright. What exactly is, Nicole, venture philanthropy? Thanks, Dan. Venture philanthropy refers to an actively engaged process through which funders support organizations in maximizing their social impact over a long-term horizon. It applies the principles of business, and in particular venture capitalism, to philanthropy in order to increase the efficiency and impact of those philanthropic efforts. Great. So, Nicole, now that we have a sense for what venture philanthropy is, perhaps we can dive a bit deeper. So, can you spend a few moments telling us where this all came from, this concept, and how it originated? Sure. Although it's been hailed as a more recent concept, Andrew Carnegie and the first John D. Rockefeller were actually practicing aspects of venture philanthropy over a century ago. And the term venture philanthropy was actually coined by John D. Rockefeller III in the 1960s, who described it as, quote, an adventurous approach to funding unpopular social causes. Carnegie and Rockefeller made their vast wealth as entrepreneurs during the scientific and industrial revolution that spread across America in the 19th century. They both established the first major foundations in the early 1900s, and through the application of both their entrepreneurial skill and belief in science, became the first venture philanthropist. 
They took on illiteracy and poverty, among other social issues, and also supported medical research, finding extraordinary success in these endeavors. Theirs was, as Rockefeller described, the business of benevolence. They applied the same passion and intensity to their philanthropy that brought them such success in business. And Carnegie even wrote down his views on philanthropy and wealth in his book, The Gospel of Wealth, which has become the key text for modern venture philanthropists like Bill Gates and Eli Broad, among others. It's so interesting to learn that we can pinpoint the very beginnings of this philosophy or movement and its application. Nicole, how did venture philanthropy continue to evolve beyond the work of its founders? Throughout the 20th century, most philanthropy was was actually not as engaged or strategic as that of Carnegie and Rockefeller. For the most part, philanthropy involved choosing a nonprofit and determining how much to give to it. Individuals wrote checks and foundations made grants. Once the check was cut, there was typically little ongoing involvement by the donor. Individuals and foundations were satisfied relying on the expertise of the recipient charity in utilizing the gift. And without ongoing involvement and proper tools for measurement, it was difficult to determine the impact of any particular gift. The decade between 1999 and 2009 brought dozens of articles and books fleshing out the concepts of venture philanthropy, culminating in a seminal article by Mark R. Kramer called Catalytic Philanthropy, which was published in the fall 2009 issue of the Stanford Social Innovation Review. Catalytic Philanthropy combines the effectiveness concepts of venture philanthropy with Carnegie and Rockefeller's emphasis on solving the world's great social problems. In this article, Kramer states that catalytic philanthropists are effective because they engage in four distinct practices. First, they have the ambition to change the world and the courage to accept responsibility for achieving the results they seek. Second, they engage others in a compelling campaign, empowering stakeholders and creating the conditions for collaboration and innovation. Third, they use all of the tools that are available to create change, including unconventional ones from outside the nonprofit sector. And fourth, they create actionable knowledge to improve their own effectiveness and to influence the behavior of others. So, Nicole, it sounds like it was just recently that the practice of venture philanthropy really began to take hold in a more formal and articulated way. Now, Nicole, could you spend a few moments digging a little deeper into the theory of venture philanthropy? Interestingly, there is no definitive definition of the term venture philanthropy. In fact, many experts think that venture philanthropy is a separate and distinct subset of strategic philanthropy like social entrepreneurship and catalytic philanthropy. But this seems to be more of an issue of semantics than substance. All of these concepts share an emphasis on impact, strategy and the application of performance measurement and application of management tools to philanthropy. Traditional philanthropy often emphasizes narrowly focused and short-term grants, while venture philanthropists have developed a comprehensive approach that involves close monitoring, clear performance objectives, and building a sustainable organization. What would you identify as the core principles of venture philanthropy today? While there isn't just one approach to implementing a venture philanthropy strategy, there are several key criteria that are often present concurrently. The the overarching theme is one of a purpose-driven and solutions-oriented philosophy. I'll now go through a list of eight of the most central tenets of venture philanthropy. First, it seeks to address a pressing social or environmental issue. 
second, the emphasis is on interventions that can be scaled with the goal of systems change, meaning supporting collective efforts to drive impact as opposed to supporting one organization or one project at a time. Third, funding mechanisms are structured in a way that can include targeted grants as well as investments. Fourth, it values and provides extensive non-financial support, including capacity building and advisory services. Fifth, it encourages innovation and risk-taking in finding solutions to the societal challenges being addressed. Sixth, funders and investors are actively involved and committed to a long-term engagement as they seek lasting impact in affecting system change. Seventh, the focus is on the beneficiaries, meaning those populations that are directly benefiting from the offerings of the service provider. And this can include those living in extreme poverty, refugees, women, children, those negatively impacted by climate change, or any other vulnerable population impacted by the societal or environmental issue being addressed. And finally, Monitoring and evaluation are key components of measuring outcomes and impact. Well, Nicole, thank you for taking the time to walk us through those criteria. It really helps us to better understand not only the philosophy, but how the methodology is actually applied. Nicole, what is the future of venture philanthropy as we look forward? It's a great question. Historically, venture philanthropy was the domain of wealthy individuals, large private foundations, and community foundations. And while the dominant players are still the large institutions with the staffing and expertise needed to engage in venture philanthropy on a large scale, venture philanthropy has become much more accessible to a wider range of individuals and small family foundations in the past decade. This is in large part due to improved information networks, online marketplaces, and charity rating websites, along with community foundations and commercial donor-advised funds creating relevant offerings. And it's not a coincidence that venture philanthropy is on the rise along with millennials' increasing share of charitable giving. Millennials will have control over an unprecedented amount of money going forward. They're looking to engage deeply with organizations, and they want to maximize their philanthropic impact by any means necessary. They embrace many of the core principles of venture philanthropy that we've covered. Well, Nicole, this has been a very educational conversation, and I'm sure our listeners now have a much better understanding in terms of what venture philanthropy is and how venture philanthropy is applied. Maybe in terms of final thoughts, you can spend a few moments sharing those with our listeners before we close out our conversation today. Thank you for that opportunity, Dan. I'd like to bring us back to the high-level overview of venture philanthropy. At its core... It is a collaborative, cross-sectoral endeavor, often involving public-private partnerships. And in terms of the social purpose organizations that are implementing or driving change, they can be nonprofit entities, non-governmental organizations, social enterprises, or even include for-profits in some instances. The common factor here is that they have a proposed solution to a crushing societal or environmental issue. The focus on outcomes while driving toward that solution is always the guiding North Star, which encourages an iterative process to continually refine and improve program delivery. And this methodology also emphasizes moving away from funding interventions that don't have measurable impact. Our own UBS Optimist Foundation applies a venture philanthropy philosophy and strategy to the causes and organizations that we support. And UBS is the only wealth management firm that has a client-interfacing foundation. 
We created a podcast that, in, that introduces the UBS Optimist Foundation should listeners want to learn more about our work and how we engage with clients. And listeners can also visit us at www.ubs.com forward slash optimist. And I'll spell it. It's O-T-T-I-M-U-S. And finally, we always encourage clients to speak with their UBS financial advisor to learn more about all the ways in which our family advisory and philanthropy services team works with clients on articulating and activating their philanthropic passion. Well, Nicole Sebastian, it was great featuring you on the UBS On Air podcast today. Always nice catching up with you, and thank you for taking some time to educate our listeners and our clients on the topic of venture philanthropy. Look forward to having you on again with us soon. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you, Nicole. And again, today we have been joined by Nicole Sebastian, Senior Strategist with the Family Advisory and Philanthropy Services Team at UBS. From UBS On Air Studios, I'm Ben Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products and services we offer. A small number of our financial advisors are not permitted to offer advisory services to you and can only work with you directly as UBS broker-dealer representatives. Your financial advisor will let you know if this is the case, and if you desire advisory services, we will be happy to refer you to another financial advisor who can help you. Our agreements and disclosures will inform you about whether we and our financial advisors are acting in our capacity as an investment advisor or broker-dealer. For more information, please review the PDF document at ubs.com forward slash relationship summary. 